from the Transport Workers Union Air Division offices in Colleyville, Texas. It's the TWU Air Division podcast with Strategic Action Coordinator Brian Parker. Join Brian as he discusses issues that affect the careers and lives of Air Division members. Take it away, Brian. Hello, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Transport Workers Union Air Division podcast. Joining me today is Gary Peterson. Gary is a TWU International Vice President and the Air Division System Coordinator. Thanks for joining, Gary. Thanks, Brian. So here we are. We're nearly a full week past the deadline of the CARES Act and the Payroll Support Program. We're dead in the middle of furloughs, uh, not just at American where I work, but throughout the aviation industry. We're starting to really feel the pain. Uh, Members are, again, in furlough processes, and a lot of them have actually been furloughed off the property. So let's talk a little bit about the reduction process and kind of how that looks, and then I'll go through and talk about the impact later on communities and stuff like that. Yeah, so again, I think the airlines are doing their best to get the legislators to find a way to uh, a clean extension of the... uh CARES Act, so to speak, and it's been going on a month. It seems as though um, there's bipartisan support, but there's some sort of gridlock, you know, in the leadership up there in Washington, D.C. That's uh, affecting ultimately at this point, looks like about 70,000 airline workers alone. Forget the uh, domino effect that that'll have, you know, if, if everything continues forward. And when I say everything continuing forward, the airlines are moving forward with their, their plans. They have to. I do know that they've committed to stopping and, and so to speak, rescinding and bringing everybody back to where they were but it isn't as easy on us as it sounds for a politician. You know, people right now are looking at moving their family to another city, starting the badging process, which I do want to talk a little bit about down the road, Brian. And then, you know, the impact that it has on the home being in a lot of cases from, you know, full-time to part-time and the money that they're not bringing home anymore or actually physically moving from point to point on the system. Or finally, at the end of the day, which we'll experience here in pretty large numbers in the next few weeks, people actually being furloughed to the street, not just moved around the system. Because again, most airlines work off a seniority-based system when it comes to flight ground, flight attendants, pilots, you know, our groups, mechanics and fleet service dispatch. So, you know, this is really happening. It's in real time. And I know that the CEOs from the airlines have committed to stop the process. If the funding comes through, the question is, why hasn't this funding come through? And and what, what the hell is going on in DC? But we're in a phase where where this isn't your ordinary job. And airline workers and airlines themselves, specifically after 9-11, the dynamics of just coming to work are not the same as they once were. And, and we'll talk about that here today in great detail. And, and again, our members know this, and hopefully this podcast resonates further beyond just our own membership. Absolutely. Let's stay on the reduction process and, and what's going on in D.C., you know, I mean, that's a the $64 million question. What's going on in D.C.? Let's just start with the White House. Do you think all the COVID positive tests there, you know, uh, of course, with President Trump and, you know, and, and throughout, does that hinder this process at all or does it speed things up? You know, like I say, we're a week past the initial CARES Act and, you know, we still don't have an extension. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speculate on, on what anybody else is thinking. What I do know is prior to um, last week, 
there was heavy indication this was going to pass. And, and when I say pass, this is about worker protection. We're not talking about a corporate bailout. I think that's some of the confusion that's involved here is, you know, people draw these party lines up in D.C. and, and they want to look certain a certain way. These are their constituents. These are the workers that are coming to the airport. This is not a corporate bailout. And, and absolutely, we, we don't want to see that happening. But whether you're collecting unemployment or coming to work, somewhere along the way, the government is going to provide some sort of subsidy. It's just quite of how much you know again our our workforce is you know blue collar middle class workforce so that's how i look at it i don't look at it from a different dynamic and and the fact of the matter is is that that's what we're fighting for or been asking for as far as your question on you know who's slowing it down or why again i i can't quite understand it you know i, I saw defazio put forward or tried to put forward a bill to do the clean extension. And my understanding is the Republicans were on board with that. And then it was shut down before it even began. That's, I don't want to get into politics. I just don't understand it. You know, Senator Cornyn here is, is our senator, my senator, and, and I'm reading he's a senator. He's all on board. I don't know any any reason why this isn't taking place. And that's where the confusion comes in, to be quite honest. I'm not into the politics of it. I'm about to, at the end of the day, how it affects us putting food on the table for our families. And I think the critical part, and I do want to go into this, Brian, is is just what happens when a reduction happens. You know, we just can't show back up to work on Monday morning and, and go back to work. Once our members, whether it be, you know, fleet, maintenance, flight attendant, once we turn that badge in, there's a short window while that badge is active. And once that airport badge or for the flight crews that are passed through for security and the things that they do, once those things fall off, we've got to go back through now training and as well as a background check and that process depending on airport takes weeks to months and i don't think that a lot of people that wouldn't be listening to this podcast but hopefully they are understand that each airport is independent of one another so it's not a one-size-fits-all universal background check process for your airport badge every time you go to the airport or a new airport that process takes place well the government doesn't have everybody working this this is going to be like <laughs> when the recovery starts happening almost impossible to bring it back online and that is going to be where it gets really bogged down and hurt you know we can't move the people we can't move the products i mean you know we move a lot of product for for business in the bellies of these airplanes it's not just cargo companies that do that we move the mail and when there aren't people there to do that work and things do start picking back up because it has slowed down, walking them out the door is a snap process. Bringing them back on is weeks to months to get people back working. And that's the real concern I have with this not being passed at this point is I don't think a lot of people outside the, the airline workforce understand how difficult it is to get back to work once you've turned that badge in. It takes months on average, well, a, a month or more. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, we move a lot of cargo other than just passengers. Uh, and you also mentioned mail. I mean, we have a vote coming up for our elected officials, you know, not just the president of the United States, but we have a we have a vote coming up in the first part of November, and there's going to be ballots. And those ballots need to be transported to where they need to be so they can be counted in a timely manner. You make a good point, speaking about not trying to get political or anything like that, but people need to pay attention and they need to look and see who is actually standing up for middle-class workers, which is who we represent. And they need to keep that in mind when they do vote. Republican, Democrat, you need to pay attention to who is representing your best interest. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the um, criticisms we get all, uh, quite a bit is, well, you guys only support the Democrats. That's definitely not a true statement. We support those political 
individuals that support our agenda. And when I say our agenda, our members' agenda. Um, so when we're talking about the CARES Act, you know, and I, again, I can only reflect on where we sit here in this area. I can't talk for the whole country because it's um, pretty vast. But I know our members have been reaching out to their senators, their congressmen, and I and. All I keep seeing and hearing is we're on board, we're on board, we support you. And I keep questioning them, why isn't this done? Because again, it was it was tied into a much bigger bill. And again, it got peeled off into an independent bill because of the concern that happened, which, you know, some folks in different areas of the economy, so to speak, didn't like. But when it was put forward, it was flat out rejected. And the question is, why was it rejected by those folks. And that's the question that ultimately we all need to be asking. Look, if, if you're not affected through reduction or furlough, you're lucky. I, again, I've said this before. I've been on the backside of that. I've been laid off. But that doesn't mean you come out of this unscathed either. And, you know, I, I, I look at it from the perspective of you hit it on the head. These people are there to represent us. They, they don't always have to like what we have to say, but just be truthful with me. If, if you're going to tell me on one side that you're supportive of it, then to your point, how did they vote? What what happened that this wasn't passed? That's what we need to be asking, you know, legislature right now is what is going on. And there's time for this to still get done, but uh, I'm there's not much to take out of the bill at this point. That's why I'm really confused because I did read it and it was focused just around the airline workers. Yeah, and like you say, there's there's still time to get it done, but every hour literally that passes without it being done, it makes it that much harder to put back the pieces that were kind of torn apart. Yeah, and again, um, there are people that are furloughed today that aren't working, that that are, you know, walk into an unemployment line. We, meaning our group in particular, we have a little bit longer window because we have a bump and roll process by virtue of the contract, but the flight crews are base to base and, you know, that I think they're pretty well on their way. Those, those are real people. Those are real constituents. And that's across the industry. That's just not, you know, a particular airline. Look, I, I didn't mention this, but ExpressJet, you know, they're, they shutter their, their yeah, airline. They're gone. And, but now what they say is, well, if there's payroll support money, um, we might, you know, we might be able to do something. I, I don't know that they can now that, that, that October 1st date is passed, but that's roughly a hundred people that we represent that had, you know, at least an optic to believe that there was potential positive lifeline for six more months as an airline who today don't have any insight as to what happened. They do know that their airline's out of business and um, whether the relief does or doesn't come through now, who knows what happens prior to October 1st. Um, we had a commitment from the airline that they would continue going. Now we just don't know there's what's the incentive for them to do that. There's a million what ifs. I want to go back to a point you talked about that it's not just a light switch that you turn on that walk, that when workers walk off the property through a furlough, that they just come back on two, three, four weeks later and, and all of a sudden they're just back to work. Uh, there's badging issues and, and you know if they're out more than 30 or, or so days, there's bigger issues there. That's the logistics of getting back to the airport. But I believe for the flight crews, it's probably a lot more because they have a lot of... Uh, training that they have to do as well so you don't have an airline if you don't have pilots and this is not a police specifically for pilots this is for all of us you have to have pilots to fly the planes and if they have to come back online i think it takes them a whole lot longer yeah you have pilot flight attendant issues you have you know um dispatcher issues everybody's got a, a piece of the puzzle that we all fill in to make the airline go and that's a fair statement that's the concern that i have is it's not pre 9 11 anymore 
pre 9-11, we did reductions and bringing people back. I was part of that process was fairly simple. You know, I got called back and the next week I went back to work and then I did my badge and I continued to work and those things were in place. Now with the background checks and everything that that falls in line, it's not that simple. And I don't want to say it's bureaucracy, but it needs to be there for the safety risk analysis and all the things we now have faced since 9-11. That needs to take place. There's no way around that. And that's my bigger concern. And, and, And here's the other thing that everybody seems to be brushing past is there's an expectation that There'll be vaccines and things of that nature in the not too distant future. As the airlines ramp back up, and they will because business and people want to go on vacation, businesses want to get back to business. It may not be, you know, like a light switch overnight, but it's going to ramp back up. We also have people that are getting laid off that are moving to locations because of their seniority that now have to make commitments to apartments they got to get out of. There's no there's no government funding when you got to pay to break a lease. There's people that are having to debate selling their home or foreclosing on their home here because they're getting moved somewhere else. And, and, and when they move, the question then becomes, am I safer here than where I was? How did I get here? What do I do? Those are all individual decisions. Those impact the communities where we live. Um, and, and I made mention of this before and maybe not on a podcast, but I know I spoke to this is when Delta really pulled their group out of Dallas, there was a lot of vacant houses and a lot of foreclosures and a lot of things happening at that time, post 9-11 or just shortly thereafter. And you know, that was a shame. Yeah, this area rebounded over time, but some areas have never rebounded because of the effects of that. I can tell you, we shuttered the Alliance facility at American, it, it's gone. And that was 2000 jobs. What does this look like, you know, post COVID? The industry itself has changed since 9-11. There's so many different dynamics in play right now. And that's my bigger concern with these furloughs. And that's why I think the airline executives are fighting so hard for this along with labor. It's not just the labor fight. It is the airlines themselves saying, this is going to be a a critical issue when we want to start building back up because it takes so long to get people going. Remember, now we're post 9-11 and we have those hurdles that you got to get through to come back to work in place. So this is a different dynamic than the last time around. Right. And, you know, when you talk about collateral damage and you reference the DFW area, you know, there was an impact and you said that, but a large metropolitan area can recover a lot quicker. But when you start limiting uh, air service specifically to the smaller cities, which is what will go first, it's going to be real hard for some of these communities. And it can have a real detrimental impact for recovery of the nation when air service is either limited or shuttered altogether to these cities. Yeah. And, and again, the airline side of this is they have to make business decisions. And I fully understand that. The government side of this is what does that look like, you know, down the road and how does it affect it? And if there's not an airplane coming in or, you know, three flights a day or whatever that is, and there is that limitation, it does have an impact on growth into the future in these smaller communities. And that's absolutely happening. The airlines have said they have to do this. It's not an if, it's they must. And they haven't gone and looked for that subsidy for the airline itself. They've said, hey, we can get through this with some assistance for our workers. That's the key here. Those workers are also in those smaller cities. So that's the the piece that everybody has to get the optics to. And, you know, we talk from a large, large area. But yeah, if you're in a a smaller community, you might have to drive three hours to get to an airport to go do what you need to do versus get on a flight that takes you there on a much shorter time frame. You have an emergent situation and there's no air service. You got to think about that and how that impacts people. And you miss so many opportunities by what's now been given to us with technology and improvements over the years. 
You know, you talk about air service, uh, the representatives, the elected representatives in D.C. fly commercial airlines. And some of them don't necessarily uh, live in the metropolitan areas either. So I would only hope that they would look at the broad picture and not necessarily what maybe affects them. You know, they've, they've got a tall task. I understand these, you know, these can't throw out money like candy, but this is real to the recovery, not for the middle-class worker necessarily, but the collateral damage and for the whole nation and the economy, we're going to have to have air service. Yeah. Well, and again, I, I said this on a, a previous interview and many folks might not have seen or heard it, but I liken this to working at the firehouse or being a volunteer fire firehouse. There's a big difference in what the outcome is and the time that it takes to get the volunteer fire department to get there, get their gear on, get in a fire truck and go do what they need to do versus the people being in the firehouse ready to go out the door. That's what we're talking about down the road here is how do we recover and provide the service that keeps the economy going and growing when we can't put the bodies in place to do that. That's the part where I think there's a disconnect with the government. You know, we're trying to get ahead of the fire and say, hey, you've put in place and rightly so things that workers have to do to come work at an airport. And that's really what we're talking about. The, the frontline worker, the agent, the mechanic, the fleet service clerk, the pilot, the flight attendant, those types of people is what we're really focused on. When that uptick starts to happen and the economy starts coming back, which we were all looking forward to and with the way conversations are and vaccines coming online in the not too distant future, that's an expect that's a trajectory, not an expectation, but a trajectory that I think the elected officials want to see take off and believe is going to take off. And what we're going to wind up telling them as as an airline industry is we can't support that because we got to wait for the badging process. You can't speed that up. There's just right. not a process for that. There's no process to speed up training. And again, it's a very narrow window, but once we fall off that cliff, then that's the answer that everybody's going to have to understand is there aren't going to be, you know, 10 flights a day to XYZ city because we don't have the people to support. We'd love to do 10, but we can only do three still. And, and, you know, the commodity is seats and there's only so many available. And that's, that's the real concern is, you know, everybody keeps talking about the economy and how it's doing so well. I think the industry, the airline industry is if, if this doesn't work out right, is going to have a significant impact on not only the economics around the airports and the things that we help support, but the overall health of the, the global economy and the U.S. economy, because we're not going to be able to provide the infrastructure that needs to continue. It's like shutting down a whole healthcare system and saying, well, yeah, that group of hospitals closed during the pandemic, but it's okay because we got other hospitals. Yeah, but they can't support the need. That's what the industry is crying out for before it happens, understand the consequence for indecision. And one more point to mention, if we get a vaccine, and hopefully we do, and hopefully it's sooner than later, it's going to be on airplanes going all across the country. That's going to that's gonna be how that would be transported. So I talked about mail for the election. We talk about, you know, a vaccine. Uh, we can talk about the things that we do transport. We transport hearts and livers and lungs and, and everything else for people waiting you know, it's just the collateral damage, I think, is what a lot of people miss. Yeah. And again, it's that when you work in the industry, you know what's happening. It's it's you live it and it's it's different than from the outside. I don't think that the general population, the general public and even legislative folks understand what the industry now looks like or works like. It's it's completely different than just showing up and going to work. It doesn't work that way. And, um, you know, when you start talking 
you know, let's just talk 70,000 airline workers. That's the round number. But then there's that ripple effect. I was just out at DFW the other day. And again, the concessions that are all closed, there's going to be more closures. Right. And those folks, they all, everybody provides different elements to the economy. And when that starts happening, I think it's going to have a much greater impact. And, and, you know, that's the scary proposition. You know, we're, we're looking for worker support not corporate bailout. And and that worker support's going to come in one form or fashion through an unemployment check or through payroll support. But there is going to be some sort of support. It may be a different you know number at the end of the day, but that person's not at work to provide a service. And then when they need him to come back to work, him or her to come back to work, so to speak, out of the unemployment line, or even if they were to find another job and, and that might be available to them, will they come back? It's a good question. And and how long does it take? Because three, four weeks waiting to get back online is just the beginning number. And that's my biggest concern. And that's a legitimate concern. Okay, Gary, so we've covered what happens if they don't get the CARES Act extended. Let's walk down the road and talk about what happens if they do in relatively short order. Um, yeah, that's fine. So in, in, in the short term, at least the larger airlines have said they would, you know, they would slow down any reductions. They'd recall people. They'd get everybody back, so to speak, to the positions they're in. This is a short term thing, though. I mean, this would be a dry run to look at what's going to happen in March if the recovery isn't in place. By then, hopefully the vaccines are in place. The economic side of the recovery is well on its way. And we're back on that that uptick side. Look, the airlines have committed to keeping people on payroll because they know the consequence for laying them off and trying to bring them on payroll. This is just, a, it's a window of time that says, hey, if this happens, now that we have some better optics to therapeutics and vaccines, and we know a lot more about the virus, which we, you know, we've seen this week, um, even more exposed that, you know, these things are lessening in ways that doesn't mean you're not susceptible. And certainly going forward, people will still be susceptible. But as you diminish that, people will be more apt to, to get back to flying, not only because they have to, because they want to. People want to go on vacation. People want to go do business. And when that uptick happens, we'll be prepared for that. That's, that's, that's the reason for this money. It's not just to get a government handout and keep people on payroll because people, the airlines want to do that. It's about that global engine continuing to move forward seamlessly without an impact. And, and again, now we know from a time standpoint, we're going to be in that recovery phase and the airlines aren't going to be without some sort of support to prop them up through that phase. They're not going to be able to keep everybody there. So it's going to be a much slower slope to recovery for the airlines. And that that affects passengers, product, you know, the emergent needs that are coming out of the industry. Right. And, uh, you know, as I sit here and think about you and I talking and discussing this backup is, you know, as soon as a year ago, you and I have been very critical of airlines and their spending and, you know, and the things that they've done. It's kind of ironic now that we're sitting here agreeing with the airlines on something who would have thought that would happen? But it is really apples and oranges when you talk about it. Yeah, look, I'm not I'm not justifying what the airlines did in the best of times for the airline industry. But that isn't where the real concern is financially. The financial side of it is even if they kept all that money in their hip pocket, I don't think they would be 
looking to furlough. They wouldn't be looking to furlough people. They would be looking to furlough people based on that. They'd be making a business decision because they had more money in their bank account on how that impact happens. The real question is when the global engine takes off, meaning the economy and people start traveling again, this is the slowdowns due to the pandemics, not due to the industry. It's due to the pandemic. When we, when we come back up online, whether the airlines had the money or not is a different question. I can't tell you what they would have done. I think they would have tried to tried to hold on as long as they could before laying off. And I think we see that at Southwest who has a little bit better economic situation. You know, they've said they're, they're going to hold off on announcing any furloughs into next year. They're buying time though, and they are in a better financial position than the other carriers. But that's a byproduct of decisions that you and I weren't a part of. We're at that point. This is a nexus of, you know, you got to do one or the other. There is no, there is no panacea for lack of better terms that's going to solve this problem it's a real it's a real world problem and i go back to washington dc are you going to fix the problem for your constituents or are you going to leave them out there to suffer the consequence of that and if they do and we do understand that that pendulum effect comes back when now the economy starts to improve and take off we are not going to be able to support that i i, I just don't see how that 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 can work you said that's a real world problem and it certainly is and it's a real problem for middle-class workers, which we represent, but it goes well beyond just us. It's not an us thing. This is literally key for the industry. It's key for the recovery. Congress needs to get this together. It's not a partisan issue at all. It's not a partisan issue. They need to figure out a way to get this deal done. Yeah, and, and I'll again, I'll just give an example, and then we probably should, you know, cut this thing loose and let people get on with their lives. But let's just talk the hotel industry, the difference between being a whole hotel worker and an airline worker. Um, you can come work at the hotel tomorrow and you can work the front desk. You can be the bellman. You can be, you know, the, the cleaning person. You can be the food service. You can do all that tomorrow. Just show and go. There's a lot of logistics now to the airline industry for security. And I don't, you and I know there's pieces right. of security that's um, somewhat confidential. I don't want to go into that for airline workers, but there's there's elements of that that take time. That's the difference in what we do and what they do. Um, I saw Disney's laying off 28,000 workers. I hate to see that, but that's a horrible situation for them. But Disney can bring people back tomorrow and then go back to work. The airline industry doesn't work that way. And that's the part that there seems to be this big, huge disconnect between, so to speak, the us and the them in the equation. And again, that's where I'm concerned. And you've said this a couple of times about the economy. I don't want to be, you know, we're waving our hands up here saying, hey, don't let us be the reason the economy slows down or can't continue to accelerate. And, and I think that's that's the industry's concern is it's not if it's going to happen, it is going to happen without the support. And then it's going to be, again, people having hearings on why we didn't do something when everybody was waving their hands saying, if you don't, this is going to be a really bad outcome. That's really where we've been. Um, up in D.C. talking to people about. And, and again, all we hear is bipartisan, bipartisan support. You know, right. we have this bipartisan support, and yet it's not done. And people's lives are affected by that. Airlines are, you know, trying to figure out what to do. They're being told one day, you know, hold off, and then it doesn't get done. And, and you know, they're stuck in the middle, too, just like our workforce. Right. And case in point, you mentioned uh, the hotels. You mentioned Disney, that you could go back there and work tomorrow. Neither of those exist without airlines to get people to them. So, exactly. So exactly. I think that's a good way to sum up this uh, podcast, unless there's anything else you want to discuss before we go. No, I just appreciate you you know, you know, and Tommy coming together and, and helping me do this podcast and get it out. I think it's critical we stay in touch with the membership and, and do what we can do to keep them informed as things progress. You know. 
by the time this goes out, maybe we'll have something passed and this will be for naught. And that would be my greatest hope. But I, I want to make sure we keep the membership as up to date and in real time as we can, as things are happening. And for them to know that each and every day we're fighting for them in Washington, D.C., in our home, lo- you know, states and locations. Nobody's laying back waiting for something to happen. We're doing what we can to protect really the infrastructure of the U.S. economy. And this is a big piece of it. And I'm, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it again. I I don't understand what senators and congressmen that are stopping this from happening are missing because it is going to cause a great glut in the economy if this continues the way it's going. I agree. Well, Gary, it's been a good conversation. I appreciate you joining me and I appreciate everyone listening. If you would share this podcast and keep pressure on DC to try to get this deal done, because if you're listening to this podcast, it's obviously not done yet. Thank you again. Y'all have a great day. For more information about the TWU Air Division, visit our website at TWU.org forward slash divisions. To comment on this or any of our podcasts, email us at airdivisionpodcast at TWU.org. You can listen, download, and stream episodes of our Air Division podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, your favorite Android podcatcher, or your RSS feed-enabled browser. Air Division podcast episodes are also available to stream and download from our website, podcast.twu.org. Music provided under license by Pond5.com. TWU Air Division podcast is produced and engineered by Tommy Engel.